Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. All right, folks, once again, it's Thursday. He gave us a big dose of optimism last week. Uh, let's see if we can keep that going. And I know it's tough because we all still have PTSD from four years ago. Uh, among other events. <laughs> COVID is weird enough, but he is the founder of Daily Coast and the founder of Civics with a Q. Marcos Melitzis joins us. Marcos, we're all looking at these hearings. Well, first of all, welcome. Hope you're well. Uh, Thanks. All good. All good. We're looking at these hearings. Is the, um, the hearing or are the hearings helping or hurting Trump and Republicans? Are, are Democrats using their time to speak enough to the electorate that will be damaging to Trump and the Republicans, do you think? Um, yeah, I think uh, when you ask, do you think, I guess that's the right question, because we actually don't know. And you know, I like to talk about data and numbers, and I'm not a big fan of the American people say X because... <laughs> You know, we, we have a habit of putting in our own biases. Um, so the answer to that question is I don't know for sure. Now, I will say this. There are two events in the last six, in the last year that have moved numbers. 
only two events and very, very little, right? One of them is COVID. COVID moved numbers. And when I say moved numbers, in civics polling, we're talking a net three points shift. Three points, nothing, almost nothing, right? It's insultingly small movement. Only like 3% of people, not even a net three. So you're talking about like one, 2% of people changing their minds on Trump because he murdered basically 200,000 people in county, right? Um, people are locked in. That's sort of the broader point there. But we've also noticed a shift now with his stay at the hospital. And that has moved numbers about a net two points. So instead, and so what does that mean, net two points? It means instead of Trump being down by eight points, now Trump is down by 10 points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think again, okay, the only two things that have moved numbers are related to healthcare, right? COVID, and then Trump showing that Nobody is immune from COVID and he's a dumbass for having been infected, given all the advantages he has um, as president. So the only things to have moved numbers are healthcare, right? So when you look at the hearings, I know as a liberal and as a Democrat, I am so furious at the unfairness of the whole situation, right? I would I wish we could rail about the unfairness of the situation and 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 um Merrick Garland and the hypocrisy and all those things. But Democrats in the hearings are not doing that. And I think that's the smart move, right? They're really fairly focused in most part on healthcare, right? Oh. So they've seen the numbers. They know it's the only thing that moves numbers. And at this point, we're winning big, right? Biden is up by 10. He's winning in all the key states. So the question isn't how do how does Biden win? How how do Democrats win? It's how do you lock in that margin so there's no backsliding because we have that kind of margin right now, and um, we're winning the Senate. We're expanding our our holds in the uh, in the House. We're winning state legislatures. I mean, it, it's it's looking like a bloodbath out there for Republicans. So by talking about healthcare, you're not really going to defeat her nomination. I mean, there's nothing a Democrat can say to to get another Republican to switch sides, right? I mean, I think that bias is, has been cast. So right now, Democrats are really focused on how can we maximize our electoral advantage and make Republicans pay at the ballot box. And then next year, we can have this big debate and this big fight over expanding the courts, because that's going to be the only answer to this to this uh republican power grab uh that we've seen so uh, i think they're doing the right thing i guess we'll know in another week or two if the polls sort of back that up or not but right now so far so good um and i'm sure that there'll probably be polls will civics do that as well look and see what how the their nomination hearings might affect their view of the Republican Party. Is, is yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're tracking that. And actually, it's civics at civics.com with a Q. Uh, we track uh, Donald Trump's approval ratings day to day. And we also have a generic congressional ballot. And it's a daily tracker on those Republic at the civic site. Yeah. You mentioned health care. I mean, you, so COVID, uh, him getting COVID for everyone, then him getting COVID. Yeah. They're pushing the Affordable Care Act. 
And let's not forget the the one thing that uh, propelled Democrats to victory in 2018 was health care. Was it not? It was the defining issue. And again, it's the same thing's happening again. And, and what Democrats are doing, that's smart. It's just basically saying Republicans have nominated her in order to take away your health care. And then that's why you have people like Mitch McConnell saying, no, we don't really want to take away your health care, right? When they are literally suing, there's a case in front of the Supreme Court trying to invalidate the Affordable Care Act, but they know the politics of it are, are, are difficult. It's brutal. I mean, Mark, we were talking about Lindsey Graham being, you know, under fire by Jamie Harrison back in March. I didn't think we'd still be talking about South, South Carolina at this point. Mm-hmm. The race in every single poll, including our own internal stuff, it's a tied race and it's close. The undecided lean Republican. That's always a challenge in a sort of red state like South Carolina. But we're still talking about it. It's still competitive. And I'm telling you, Jamie Harrison doesn't win this time. He's coming back in two years and it's going to be a different landscape in South Carolina because we saw that in Texas in the difference between Texas in 2018 and today, two years later, is almost 700,000 new registered voters, the vast majority of them in Democratic strongholds. And you've seen the early vote in Texas. It's absolutely off the charts in all the places it needs to be. And these states are changing rapidly. South Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, and Texas are all moving in our direction. And the Republicans have accelerated that. And the attack on healthcare is one of the main drivers of that. Because there's no reason Harrison should be competitive right now. Not in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, back to the healthcare for just a minute, though. Because that, to me, correct me if I'm wrong, when we talk about women white women, college-educated women, suburban women, what have you, who've been shifted since 2018, well, since yes. 2016. Um, yes. Well, after the election. After the election, right, after the election. So I don't think you can separate health care from the women electorate. So, no, right, because they, they have to make commercials for men, for stupid men like us who don't want to go to the doctor. Women right. don't work. <laughs> women go to the doctor. They they take care of themselves. They kind of raise that way. They they get it. It's just foolish men like us. We go to the doctor, and that's why they have longer life expectancy. On and on. So <clears throat> when Kamala Harris was questioning her, she was not general. She was very specific. She talked about health care as related to women. I was like, I I got that. I see what you're doing. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, and that probably resonates more. Trump is saying MS-13, Kamala is saying maternal mortality rates, you know, mammograms. So you're going to choose. Am I voting to stop MS-13 or am I voting to prevent them from taking away my access to mammograms? So that's kind of a no-brainer. I think women healthcare kind of goes together, right? Yes. No, it's it's (laughs) one and the same. I, I I, I was reading a German magazine. I use it to practice my German and and they had a satirical piece and they talked about how there's a new term for people who don't wear masks, men. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it, yeah. And, uh, and right, we are kind of the problem and not necessarily me and you, but our cohorts, our, our, our colleagues. Um, and when we're looking at where the shifts are in the suburbs, it's all women. 
I mean, suburban white men look like rural white men. Suburban white women look like urban voters. And the shift is absolutely huge. And we, I, I love this stat, and I'll say it every, every week probably, just because it really drives home, is that we won 41 seats in the House in 2018, 38 of them in the suburbs. We're on track right now to win between 5 and 15 more seats this year, given the, the current polling and climate. And I think all of them are in the suburbs, every single one of them. So we're basically, it's a mass annihilation of the Republican Party in the suburbs. It's the reason Texas is competitive, because Texas is basically the Dallas suburbs, the Houston suburbs, the San Antonio suburbs. And then you have the Southern Latino counties on the border where the turnout is brutal, although early voting in those counties like Hidalgo are actually quite encouraging. And, you know, we may be, my people may finally be voting. Uh, and then, yeah, there's rural Texas, obviously there's a lot of that, but the suburbs are so dominant. And this is why Texas is actually on the verge of flipping. Uh, and I'm becoming unreasonably optimistic about Texas. I'm almost a little, <laughs> a little afraid to get as excited as I am, but the early voting numbers, I mean, we're talking in places like Austin, we're already at 12% of the, in the first day of early voting, already at 12% of the 2016 vote. I mean, it is absolutely off the charts, uh, in addition to the voter registration numbers and so on. So you look at, so yeah, but if you dig in, in the data, suburban women, um, had are basically the only people that have moved in any real number since 2016. Healthcare is a big driver of that. And we actually can look back the moment that Republicans tried to eliminate healthcare early on in 2017. Remember, this is where John McCain's famous no vote stopped yeah. those efforts. That was the start of that cratering. Now, they also don't like uh, Donald Trump's bullying and his racism and all that stuff, right? I mean, white college educated suburban women are totally not into Trump's racism um, to the point that even Trump now knows this. I don't know if you caught this, Mark, but on Tuesday, uh, he did a rally in Pennsylvania and he said, you know, it was all loser talk. It's like, I can't believe I'm losing to the worst candidate in history. Like, if you're losing to the worst candidate in history, what does that make you? Right, Donald Trump. But he also said, suburban women, uh, you got to vote for me. I know you want me to be nice. I don't have time to be nice, but I can be nice if I want to. Right. This is literally what he said. Yeah. And so he people have told him, I, I, he gets his information, right? And they're probably telling him, like, can you please stop being freaking racist just for two weeks, right before the election? Right. Just two weeks. And, and he can't even do that. Yeah. He can't even do that. So literally, he's, I can do it if I want to. It's like, then do it. But if I don't have time. That, that's his closing argument with suburban women. And, but he could be as nice as he wants. They're trying to eliminate health care. And that is core to the Republican issues in the, in, the, um, in the suburbs. And I think you make a really good point, too. Having Kamala talk about women's health care specifically is actually surprisingly absent in that public debate, right? There's a reason that Viagra is covered, no questions asked, no controversy, but uh, birth control is not, yeah. like female birth control. It's because there's a dominant sort of male frame to all our political discussions. And this is one reason we desperately need more women in Congress and in the White House 
And it's the reason I wanted an all-female ticket to the presidency uh, when we first started this process. It's the reason I'm excited that the Democratic Caucus in the House is, I believe it's close to being majority female. Hopefully after this election, it will be. Um, because we're leading in a way that Republicans absolutely refuse, right? They're, they're, they love the patriarchy. Like they're, they're the last defender of this sort of broken, one-sided system that has made such a mess of our country. The love for the patriarchy is consistent with white male supremacy, the fatherland, the whole Aaronism, oh, yeah. you know, yep. um, in, in many other cultures before Western Europe. Um, matriarchy <laughs> was the thing. So, you know, that's that's part of imperialism, quite frankly. So that is uh, that is pretty consistent. No, so I, I thought that her prosecuting, her questioning in that way was good. And and I don't know, I mean, I think that the Democrats bringing up health care is most beneficial, but I don't know that it, that it helps Republicans either, that Amy Coney Barrett is so short and evasive. Because you think about this, if women are watching this, yeah, and we don't know how many people are, you know, sometimes you can drone out of these hearings. Um, I know Kamala, I have it on in the background always, but certain people pique interest. So when Kamala started bringing the mammograms, I was like, oh, and then Sheldon Whitehouse, um, you, you know, I would not want to be cross-examined by Sheldon Whitehouse. I didn't know he could do that the way he did it. He's, <laughs> I didn't, this is new. Yeah. This is a new yeah, look. Snuck up on us, didn't he? Like, yes, yes. I called the biggest Who is this? Is this same person I know? I mean, you expect that know, from Kamala. You expect it from Cory Booker. There's yeah. some people you expect that from. Yeah. White House yeah. has not, and you don't expect it from Feinstein, and she's definitely had since <laughs> shown anything else. She's been an absolute disaster. No. But no. yeah. Sheldon, Sheldon snuck up on us. Amy Klobuchar has been good. But yeah. what has been consistent, if, if you're looking at it, and if women are looking at it, you know, every the evasiveness is so transparent and smug. I mean, that too could even rub people the wrong way. Um, you know, the logical question, you didn't know that Donald Trump wanted to gut the ACA. Well, I don't really know whether I remember them. And women know and understand other women better than even men can. So when you look at that, it's 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 very um, uh, troubling, um, but but let me ask you this. Let's let's go to and then I'll get off the court. But you know Biden is is still being very artful about his answers on packing, which is Marcos a mainstream media word applied to our side, but has never once been applied to the two hundred some odd judges that Mitch McConnell ram down everyone's throat. Okay. Yep. But we yep. but we we want to pack. Okay. Yep. But, but so and that's a double standard. But as we all know, in if we win it all, then you know that pendulum starts swinging back the other way if we have all the power. White House, Senate, House, okay. I wonder if um we can I hope we can, but I wonder if Democrats can sustain the momentum and keep America awake and tolerant enough to understand why we must expand the court. It, and it's not just about partisanship, 
on uh, from the legislative and executive branch. But if we want to maintain health care and women's rights and Obergefell, I mean, my LGBTQ allies, even when that went through, and I didn't really believe them. You know, I said, y'all can exhale. They's like, no, they, they always felt like that this could come back and that there would be a threat to that going away. Now I believe them. You know, I don't think I understand. What if they reverse marriage pride? What are we going to do? So mm-hmm. I, I just hope that, you know, that natural pendulum swing that we always see in, in, the, in the midterm period can hold off long enough for people to see. We cannot have a 6-3 court for what the next almost 30 years. And then how will you and I be in 30 years, Marcos? How will our kids be? Our kids will be the doggone age you and I are right now. Mm -hmm. And and we'll be who knows where, but okay. You you know, that's just what the board is mean. The the good news is that we're going to be in, I think broadly speaking, when you talk about the pendulum, you think about an old America was predominantly white. Uh, people of color didn't vote. So it was just basically swingy white people, right? Going back and forth. <laughs> Demographically, this country is changing and communities of color are so democratic and so liberal and the Republican Party is so hostile to them that this swinginess, I don't think, um, that I think that swinginess is gonna be mitigated, right? I mean, it's a white supremacy party versus America. Um, furthermore, we're going to have much greater say in redistricting. So I think the gerrymanders aren't going to be so aggressive. We already are going to have a massive majority. It's going to be locked in by new districts. It's going to be um, locked in just by the fact that we're raising more money. You know, we still have our eye blue. They don't. They have a lot of institutional barriers to swinging back. Now, suburban white women, I don't trust them not to swing back. But as our own people rise up, Latinos and Asians and, and, and the Black community and Native community, as they become larger and politically more active, I think it counterbalances that danger. So we have that. In the Senate, the map is a dream map for us. It's going to be all offense. And we have about, um, off the top of my head, like 10 seats we can realistically target like right now. So Wisconsin and in Iowa and Pennsylvania, which is going to be an open seat. I mean, Florida, Marco Rubio. I mean, we got, it's going to be a real, real, uh, it's, it's an opportunity for us to really expand the majority that we hope to get this November. So short term, yeah, it's tough in the president's first midterm, but I think all bets are off right now. I think we're in a much different place than we were in 2009 as a liberal movement. Uh, I think we're more activated, we're more engaged, we're donating, we're paying attention to state legislative races, we're paying attention to judicial races. Back in 2009, everybody, liberals thought, oh, we won the presidency, Obama's president, I have hope we won. I can now, and they literally did that because Daily Coast barely survived 2009 because everybody just went home. Right. And I don't see that happening right now. And so we're gonna, we're, as a movement, I think we're in a better place. So I'm a little more hopeful that that pendulum won't particularly swing back too hard. So, but what we are going to have is this sort of structural disadvantage that the Republicans have put in place. We're talking about having packed the courts. We need to undo that. And the fact that Joe Biden hasn't explicitly 
opposed it is actually the biggest sign yeah. that we may actually see this happen. Because if you look, if you listen to Biden, his most proud achievement is the Affordable Care Act. And this court is going to invalidate the Affordable Care Act. So he's going to have to realize that there is no Biden administration as long as the Supreme Court. You have Barrett basically saying that the peaceful transfer of power is a controversy. Yeah. Democracy is now controversial, according to a Republican conservative Supreme Court nominee. So you have to undo that Republican packing, not just at the Supreme Court, but also at the appellate courts, at the circuit courts, at the district courts, number one. Number two, we can't have an electoral system where every state has different rules. One state, Texas can have one drop-off ballot location in for a county. Pennsylvania can't do that uh, because it depends on which judges in which jurisdictions say what. And then you have the institutional barriers to voting. And you have situations in Florida where the voters say ex-felons can vote. And then Florida says, okay, but you got to pay off a fine. And we're not going to even tell you what the fine is. You can't have those situations. So you need a democracy agenda that creates uniform voting standards nationwide and enforces them, that changes the court so the courts can't come in and say, it's actually okay to suppress the vote. It's actually okay to keep people from voting. There's nothing wrong with cutting off the vote count after midnight on Tuesday, November uh, 3rd. You need to do those things. I think it is imperative that the court and the voting, because we can't be winning by 10 to avoid violence, to avoid chaos. Like, what, what is this? Like, we have to win by 10 points for it to be legitimate? And you know that's where we are right now. Yeah. A close election, forget it. Yeah. I'm not even convinced that winning by 10 will be is, enough. It's going to keep. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> um, do you feel that the Democrats, the party, et cetera, Biden campaign, whomever, all of us, um, are anticipatory enough or have enough imagination about what the trick is going to be. We know it's going to be some trick. Now, I'm, I can only speculate myself, but have your wills been turning, for example, where might they try to trick this out? Uh, oh, in what state? They said it. We don't even need to speculate. We know exactly what they are. Number one is they're going to try to stop the counting of the ballots on midnight Tuesday. So all those vote by mail, in a lot of states like Arizona, they're already counting those votes. But in states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, the legislature's blocked it. So you can't start counting those votes until early. And it takes longer to count the vote by mail because they're in an envelope and inside the envelope, there's a privacy sleeve. And in and so processing it takes longer. So it is fully expected that that count is going to continue into Wednesday. Oh no, right? That, the horror of having to wait one 24 hours. But Republicans are gonna come in and they're gonna sue and they're gonna try to stop the counting of those ballots on midnight, November uh, four, I guess. It's the next day. Clearly idiotic, clearly stupid. Do we trust the Supreme Court? to say like, no, you, you really have to count all the votes. I mean, look what they did in 2000. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it, and that decision was so 
idiotic and so unjustified that they literally said, don't use this decision as precedent. Mm-hmm. They've never said that, right? Yeah. Because, <laughs> but right. they knew they were full of crap. So do we trust them? Of course we don't, we don't trust them. So that's the first thing they're gonna do. The second thing they're, tr- they're gonna do, they're, gonna, they're talking about doing, and this is particularly uh, been discussed a lot in Pennsylvania, is that state legislatures actually have the power to determine who the electors are to the electoral college. So they can come in and they can, and this is a illegally gerrymandered, you know, uh, Republican legislature in Pennsylvania. They can come in and they can say, well, we don't know who won because they're still counting ballots and this is illegitimate. And so we're just gonna, here's our Trump electors. And they, they really can't do that, but they'll try, right? And there, there's right. actually a legal mechanism by which they can make this happen. And they've actively discussed this. And Republicans have the legislature in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, Arizona, other places. They have the ability to at least try this. And again, in a rational democratic system, the courts would go like, yeah, nice try, but no. We're not operating in a rational democratic system right now. We're seeing a presidency and a party that aren't trying to win an election. They are trying to retain power. And that is incredibly dangerous for democracy. So from what I've heard from people talking, Pennsylvania is the biggest danger. Michigan and Wisconsin, Wisconsin Republicans, we've seen them try to do things before. Uh, They're not they're not afraid to to be horrifically anti-democratic, but um, really, where we're seeing this actively discussed publicly is Pennsylvania. That's twenty electoral votes. If we were to lose those twenty electoral votes to some kind of gambit like this, uh, Arizona is ten, Iowa is six electoral votes. Those would not be enough to make up for Pennsylvania. Uh, North Carolina would. Georgia, Florida would, but again, those are states are legitimately tight right now. In in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, Biden is up by over six points in the public polling. There's no way for, like if if Biden gets those three states and doesn't lose another Hillary state, which he won't, that's it, that's it, that's the election. So if Trump were to win some of these other close states and in Pennsylvania flipping gives Trump the win, can't put it past those Pennsylvania Republicans to try to subvert democracy. Yeah. And then we're depending on the courts. Now, here's the wrinkle, though, Mark. Here's the thing that I've been starting to think about. I haven't written about it yet because it's still I'm still formulating it. Is that in during the New Deal, during FDR, there was nine justices and the Supreme Court was conservative and they were talking about invalidating New, New Deal. And FDR basically said, if you strike me down, I will expand the court. Mm-hmm. And the court sort of diplomatically let things slide in order to protect its majority. Uh, so it sort of kept its powder dry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a chance, uh, and it's so funny, we're talking about uh, Roberts and probably Gorsuch, where they actually, in order to protect that majority for things that they care about, like getting rid of reg- regulations and pro-business, you know, that that's the stuff that Roberts cares about. I don't think he cares about abortion. 
in order to protect their majority on those pro-business issues that they care about is to sort of vote with the three liberals as a swing block in order to, to take pressure off, political pressure off Democrats to pack the courts, to expand the courts, not pack them, expand the courts. So there is a there is there's a chance and there there's something to the fact that liberals won every high profile um, social issue case in front of the court this year. Right. Uh, whether it was Roberts or I think Gorsuch, even 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 um, Kavanaugh in one of the one of the cases sided with the liberals on, on Native American rights. There is a scenario where just the fear, like, I mean, if they come in and they start invalidating, you know, like ACA is gone. And then it's like Democrats are like, okay, I guess we have no choice. We need a court that reflects America. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a chance that this may act they, out of fear. They may not vote the wrong way on a lot of the big ticket, big attention, social items while they're undermining on the side, right. On, on the other, on regulations and, so there, there, that's also a possibility, and I could see them try to do that in order to reduce the pressure to expand the courts. And I hope that I hope we expand the courts no matter what. You, um, well, you mentioned what Roberts is interested in. I mean, we also know he has a, a hard on for voting rights uh, and the Voting Rights Act, and that's another case that's coming up shortly mm-hmm. that is in jeopardy. So I don't know, but like Public Enemy used to have a song, "Don't Trust It." Uh, I'd expand it <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But you know, you know, Marcos, you, you have to wonder what would happen if they figured out a way to go to the Supreme Court or any one of these other federal judges for that matter to keep Trump in power. Um, I agree with you to one, to one degree that they want to retain power, but the person that they're really serving through Trump, the agent, is Putin. And mm-hmm. Putin's job around the world is destabilization. So in the yeah. long run, what does this do? This destabilizes America. We're all at war with each other. We're in in a cold civil war at least. And he's mm-hmm. just, you know, he's just, you know, this is great. I love it. Whether whoever's in power, there's a destabiliz- destabilization thing going on. But let's do this before we go. Talked about Texas, talked about South Carolina. Long lines in Georgia. Um, looks like Raphael Warnock might be okay now. Both of them, Ossoff, um, Warnock. Yeah, um, I, I expect there to be a runoff. Um, unfortunately, there, there's a real chance, though, in, in our polling. I think we had um, we had Ossoff at 49, and, and we've talked about this before. Georgia has this Jim Crow era law that basically says you have to win by 50% or there's a runoff election. And that's specifically designed to keep people like Raphael Warnock from winning an election on election day. And so um, there's going to be a runoff. And I'm, I'm according to our polling, it looks pretty good that, that Warnock is consolidating the Democratic vote. Unfortunately, there's a couple of the Democrats. That's a special election. It's, a, it's called the jungle primary. Everybody runs together. There's a couple of Democrats, including Joe Lieberman's son and a couple others. They're not, they look to have tanked, but they're still getting five, 6% of the vote together. And that may prevent Warnock from notching 50%. And that would be absolutely devastating because that, if Warnock were to win outright with 50%, 
he would be seated immediately, just like Mark Kelly in Arizona. Right. So if you're able to delay as much as possible, uh, you know, you could have the, the Barrett nomination delayed. Not to mention you have whatever, if Republicans lose everything, you don't know what kind of mischief they're going to try to do in the Senate, just cram more judges, yeah. right? So if you can, if you can get that 53, 47 Republican majority and make it 51, 49 with people, you know, some of these Republicans who lose might say the hell with it. I'm done. You know, like Collins, Murkowski's a real chance to, to change parties next year. Um, given where she is with her caucus, she'll be the last standing moderate in that Republican caucus and isolated. And she won as an independent last election. Republicans in Alaska hate her. Mm. So um, there's a real chance there that you can actually stop anything bad from happening in that Senate the rest of the time. Because you know McConnell's gonna cram as many judges as he can oh, in yeah. those last in that last month um, in that lame duck, lame, uh, lame duck session. So ideally we could get worn up to 50% now. And I see those long lines in Georgia and, and we've seen those long lines on election day. I'm glad we're a month out, well, not a month, three weeks out. It means that there's more time and voter turnout by all indications is absolutely through the roof. People are motivated and they're happy to stand eight hours in line. And, and it sucks that we have a democracy where anybody has to stand more than 15 minutes to vote. And again, this is where we're talking about a democracy agenda next year. We got to fix these things. But what that also means is that despite Republican efforts to suppress that vote in Georgia and in Texas, that these lines are absolutely people are people are like, whatever, throw do whatever you want, like throw every roadblock in my face. I don't care. I'm going to vote. And uh, it, it says something, I think, about the energy on our side. To uh, to get these a holes out of out of uh, out of power, so I think um, there's a real chance that Ossoff gets fifty percent, mm -hmm. which would be fantastic. Um, there's a very outside chance that Warnock does. It would require Democrats to just completely abandon Lieberman and some of these other smaller Democrats and move in mass over to Warnock. Um, Less likely to happen, but if the turnout is big enough, you know, I guess it, I guess it could happen. But uh, otherwise, I'm I'm feeling really good about Georgia. And whenever we can sort of eliminate some of those roadblocks in Georgia, it becomes a blue state. I mean, yeah. it's going there anyway. It's getting there. It's inevitable. It's getting there, <clears throat> yeah. folks. The fight is on. We're still in it. Matter of fact, we're ahead. <laughs> Two and a half weeks. Right. This is really about um running down the clock you know? yeah and, and and mark nobody needs to worry i i nothing drives me crazier than people going oh ignore the polls that show biden winning don't ignore the polls because right. it's not about biden winning it's about the senate it's about the house it's about state legislature there's so many reasons and the fact that biden is winning by a lot is a good thing it means that we have a chance to win Senate seats in Montana, in South Carolina, in Texas, in Kansas, in Alaska. So this is what, you, do you really need to be losing to be motivated? I hope not. But if you do, okay, we're slightly behind in, behind in Kansas. Get excited about that then. There's yeah. so many races. And the only reason we're talking about Kansas and South Carolina 
is because Bayern is winning by a lot. So don't be afraid of that. Realize that it gives us opportunities to win bigger than previously, even remotely imaginable. That's what's exciting to me. Not, oh no, people might be complacent. Look at those lines in Georgia. Look at those lines in Texas. Nobody's complacent right now. Let's win big. Yeah, yeah. Marcos Melissa, Civics with a Q, DailyCoast.com. That's right, folks. Two and a half weeks. Hope many of you are also getting your ballots in now, early. Yeah. Hurry get up. In. Get them in. Got to count them when they go in. Most of the states just go in now. You have to wait until after election day. Uh, very, very important. Our lives depend on it. Thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Great. Talk to you next week. All right. Yes, sir. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.